Hey, welcome back to another episode of e-commerce on tap. That's you by Sourceify. My name is Nathan Resnick, your host, and today we are joined by Alec, the CEO and co-founder of Settle. Alec, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. So I want to start by learning more about your journey. How did you and your co-founders come up with Settle? You know, it's such a vital platform when it comes to financing and cash flow for e-commerce brands. So I'm curious about the journey. Yeah, I actually took over uh, for a friend's company. It was he was building this uh, try before you buy platform in retail clothing. Um, long story short, I ended up shutting down the business uh, just because I kind of forgot the unit economics. But um, uh, he had me using this like accounts payable tool uh, to really manage the company's bill pay, and I just thought it was like the worst product ever used. So once we shut down that company, I was like, well, what if we just created a better one? Um, so that's, that's when I got my mind thinking around it, interviewing a bunch of companies, uh, solving their pain points and my backgrounds in credit and lending. So previously I was a head of credit at a firm. I worked at Capital One for six years before that. So I was like, if I really want to build something better than just saving like a company an hour a week, uh, what if we combine it with working capital? Could we like really change the trajectory of these businesses, uh, and help them scale, help them get better? Um, so that's what we really kicked off with, uh, almost four years ago now. It's crazy. That's awesome. It's incredible. It's been four years already and the space has grown and changed so much. I'm curious what you think about the market as a whole, right? You've got, you know, revenue-based financing, you've got inventory-based financing, you know, where does Settle fit in for those that aren't familiar with Settle? And then how do you look at the industry as a whole when it comes to lending for e-commerce businesses? Yeah, I think, you know, the more players out there is the better for founders, uh, more options, more competition. I definitely think competition makes everyone better, even us. Uh, so while I wish we we're the only game in town, you know, that's never going to be the case. And I think that's a good thing for founders uh, and companies overall. So we're definitely, you know, we don't like to like dub ourselves like, oh, we only do this, we only do this. Like we want to just help the businesses with what needs they have. But as we kind of see what people are using our capital for, it's really inventory purchasing, um, you know, marketing purchasing, stuff like that. Stuff that has like high ROI that you know you're going to get a return on. Um, and like if you can get more of it, then it's only going to improve the bottom line of your business. Um, so what really differentiates us is that we're not some formulaic like asset-based lending loan where it's like, okay, we're going to give you 55% of your inventory, 80% of your accounts receivable. Like we're very flexible in that mind. And the difference thing there is uh, we're not lending off of inventory you have on hand. We're kind of trying to cover your entire uh, inventory purchase cycle. So like we're going to actually send out the money to the supplier, even if it's a deposit, and then you're going to pay us back, you know, 30 to 180 days later, when you're really turning those goods into revenue. Uh, so you can really skip that entire cash flow gap. Um, so we could kind of cover you full cycle. So th that's how we think about it um, overall. That's awesome. I mean, I think it's a no brainer for brands because if you think about their cash conversion cycle, Settle helps them basically a lot of times potentially be able to pay for their inventory and sell their inventory, excuse me, sell their inventory before they even have to pay for their inventory, right? And so I think that's a kind of key gap 
that a lot of e-commerce brands can utilize cyber for. One question I have, especially as people think about the current climate with cash flow and e-commerce brands, you know, the past two, three years, just every brand saw incredible growth through through COVID, which was awesome as more people were shopping online. Now it's a bit of a different situation. You know, some brands are stagnant, some are slowing down, some are still able to grow through different channels. What are you currently seeing across the e-commerce market when it comes to, you know, growth and most brands that you're working with Stagnant, slowing down, kind of what's the pulse that you see as you work with, you know, a few hundred or, I don't know, a few thousand e-commerce brands? Yeah, we're definitely saying brands continue to grow, but I think we have, you know, a little bit of uh, rose color glasses in that sense that, you know, we might be working with the better, the best of the best in that sense. So, you know, customers are definitely finding traction if it's online or a lot of the successful ones really, once they hit that like five to 10 million mark, they're really starting to branch out into other channels like wholesale and B2B. Uh, and that's kind of propelling further growth. Um, and on your last question, you know, some of the best feedback we get from founders is really like, because we're able to get their cash conversion cycle negative, they're like, oh my God, I might, I'll never have to raise equity again. This is great. So as you know, we have this one company uh, selling deodorant where we started off like with, you know, 250K in lending availability, and now we're at 3 million. So we're just being able to scale with them uh, and really help them just throw cash off uh, instead of them having to, you know, raise a lot of equity to do like a Walmart launch or something like that. And, you know, that's where we want to be. We want to grow with you, you know, get, our ca our capital cheaper over time um and do things like that so but yeah to your question I, I definitely think a lot of brands are still growing and for the ones that aren't we're definitely seeing them you know i think they've taken the medicine that like a equity capital just isn't as easy to get as it was in 2021 so we're seeing them you know operate more efficiently you know not burn less or get to break even or get to profitable uh really worry about contribution margin uh things like that uh really get their ads to be efficient um so i think there's a lot of the brand owners operating a lot more efficiently than they might have been in the before when it was just like grow 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 makes sense so what, what do you think of a healthy contribution margin and then on the supply chain side at sourceify we see you know gross margin across the board and you think our best customers typically have a gross margin of 80 percent at least i mean you know some of the kind of major e-commerce brands like movement watches, you know, their kind of go-to original watch, that black face and red, red hand, they had a, over 90% margin on that original watch that really helped them scale up. And so I think as you look at, you know, different e-commerce brands, it's interesting to look at gross margin and a lot of people might have kind of different measurements or those calculate contribution margins. So maybe if we can start there in regards to, you know, what do you think is the right way to calculate contribution margin? And what do you think these brands should actually be targeting for their, their contribution margin? Yeah, 80% is nice, right? I would love that as well. Uh, but I think that depending, especially if you're going to different channels, it's like really hard to do. Uh, but on the contribution margin side, the way we think about it is like, okay, yeah, take your gross margin, but then there's a lot of other variable costs that are included in that. If that's marketing, fulfillment, uh, you know, the way to think about it is like, hey, if I'm going to ship one more good or sell one more good, like what are the incremental costs associated with that? So you could take out stuff like payroll and whatnot, uh, but really think about the variable costs that are in there. So once you kind of take a look at that, 
then in my opinion, you know, you really want to be in that like 15% minimum area. Uh, and if you get to 25%, I think you really have a really strong potential business. Um, so that kind of shows you like, okay, if I just continue scaling this, you know, I'm just going to be throwing off cash, um, and really, you know, fulfilling my own growth in that way. Makes sense. One interesting component I think of Settle when it comes to how Settle's intertwined with the supply chain, obviously, is the purchasing of inventory. I'm curious, how are you confident in your customers to forecast efficiently? Right? You know, if a customer's growing their credit facility from a quarter million to $3 million with Settle, and they're doing that to finance inventory, you know, is there some risk there that they're over-purchasing or forecasting incorrectly? How does Seta look at that when it comes to the clients that are using, you know, financing for their for their inventory? Yeah, great question. We don't really like to look at forecasts um, because, you know, I think everyone's going to forecast like something pretty rosy. Uh, I mean, even us will probably do the same uh, for Settle's business. But the reality is like we want to look at like how has business performed and are there any step changes that are like in your very near term, short term? So like customers might send us like POs from retailers or, uh, or things like that to give us a little sense of like, okay, there's a lot of like potential here, but we never want to overlove our customers. We never want, um, to kind of like be the demise of businesses. And, uh, you know, what really happened in early, you know, 2022 is a lot of people thought it would just be continuing to run from 21. Uh, but once, you know, COVID was over and offline opened back up. There's this, of course, pullback from the online channels to offline. Um, so a lot of customers overordered inventory, and that's just a tough place to be. You know, you want to manage cash uh, first and foremost, and that's why really what we're trying to do here is provide the tools uh, to be like the cash flow management platform for these brands, so you can make these smarter decisions um, and really optimize, you know, your working capital throughout. Um, so yeah, um, that's how we kind of think about it. Uh, we by no means want to just like overload somebody and, you know, make it really tough for them, uh, to climb out of. Yeah. It makes sense. I mean, you want long-term sustainability and scalability with your customers and to be able to grow with them. And if you overload them with debt, you know, they're not going to have the ability to continue to grow and pay back that debt, which I think is a scenario that a lot of brands faced in early 22 when you know they had ordered a lot of inventory and had way too much cash in inventory and didn't have the money to spend on marketing to really sell that inventory i'm curious because i know a lot of brands like cuts clothing for example just opened up their flagship store in new york city and in, in manhattan i'm curious you know how you look at that as a channel when it comes to uh, growth for these brands as well as sales, but also from a you know cash management standpoint. I mean, cuts clothing has to be investing quite a bit in that retail footprint, and I'm sure they're going to expand as a valid channel to hopefully drive profitable growth. You know, how does your team think about that, and and how do you think about you know these e-commerce brands that traditionally were just all direct to consumer online now even opening up their own retail channels? Yeah, I think uh, in many cases, the biggest benefit there is outside of, you know, just increasing a sales channel by having people shop in the store is what a lot of brands will see is that like just having the ability for, you know, customers to walk in, feel the product, uh, see it, that actually increases the D2C sales in those zip codes uh, nearby. 
Um, so there's like this halo effect that happens. Uh, so I think it's definitely a smart strategy. Obviously, it's increased OPEX. Um, so, you know, customers need to just be prepared for that. Um, and, you know, a store is going to have a little bit longer payback period. Uh, but, um, you know, if they've reached that level of like, you know, 10 to 20, 30 million in revenues, like it's a solid strategy in my opinion. Uh, but it takes a different operational muscle as well. So you need to make sure you have the right people, right experience to kind of like effectively execute on that. And I know there's some other platforms to kind of like test it out if it's pop-ups or whatnot. So maybe that's like a little more, um, not cash intensive immediately, but, um, to get the most bang of the buck, I, I think it's a pretty solid strategy. Definitely, definitely. Another question that I know has been top of mind for a lot of us that, you know, follow kind of e-commerce Twitter and that whole ecosystem is the publicly traded e-commerce brands like Allbirds or Blue Apron or whatever it may be, you know, with them now this performing just horribly in the public markets, right? And so, you know, you had some big wins, big wins. I mean, we had the VP of supply chain of Dollar Shave Club on e-commerce on tap just a few weeks ago. And it's just incredible to see how that, you know, brand exited and now fits, you know, well into the uh, shaving ecosystem and other industry and has really carved out, you know, a strong business in the industry. But I'm curious, I mean, should these brands have gone public, obviously they're looking for some liquidity, but now, I mean, they're getting destroyed in the public market. So I'm curious, you know, from your perspective, what do you think about these publicly traded brands? Uh, yeah, I think the ones that are performing poorly, you know, have just kind of taken on probably too much debt and from their sake and, you know, tried to achieve certain goals. But what you kind of see there is, if you actually break down their contribution margins, sometimes they're actually negative. Um, so, uh, and their optics is just like way inflated as well. So, but you know, you have other brands like Birkenstock. I mean, they just IPO yesterday or two days ago uh, that I think is, you know, performing well. So, you know, I don't think going public or not public is like a bad idea. I think everyone should at some point, uh, cause I think, it, you know, the market provides you a lot of rigor and feedback. Uh, where you're kind of shielded from that from a private perspective. Um, so, yeah, I think the ones, you know, the ones that aren't doing too well just aren't growing uh, given the OPEX structures that they have. Um, and I think, you know, the same goes for like the Peloton or whatnot, where you're just like they're losing money every month and to what end, right? So for the ones that, you know, what the market really rewards now is profitability over anything. So if you could demonstrate that, then I think going public is probably the best way to get the cheapest capital uh, to, you know, uh, I, but I just think it's like a milestone, right? It's not like, yep. hey, we did it one. It's just like, it's another step in the journey uh, on your way to, you know, achieving the goals that you want to set out. No sense. So when it comes to settle, what kind of e-commerce brand should work with you? I mean, you mentioned a quarter million dollar facility. Is that kind of the minimum or does it go well? I mean, what's kind of a starting point for a brand should start working with Settle or look at working with Settle? Yeah, on the working capital side, the smallest will go is 50K. So it's pretty small. Um, you know, the highest will go is 20 million. So it kind of runs the gamut there. Uh, but, you know, I think, I think even brands starting off from scratch, like you don't need to use us for working capital. Uh, we have a great set of software tools to really help brands manage their cash flows. So like 
the core product is the accounts payable software. We just released purchase orders a few months ago. Uh, we're getting into cash flow forecasting. Um, so we really want to be that full-on suite. And then a, if you need capital, if you have product market fit and you want to take it to the next level, we're there for you. Uh, but really, we want brands that are just starting out as well. Uh, like, let's help you manage your business better. Um, and then, you know, we'll grow with you and take you from there. That's awesome. So it's not just capital, it's software to make you out there more efficiently too. Alec, thank you for coming on e-commerce on top. If people are going to get in touch or follow you or run their about seller, where can they find you? Uh, here's my address. Uh, just come by. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> on Twitter. Um, I think I'm at Alec Koenig. Uh, LinkedIn, uh, email, Alec at settle.co as well. Awesome. Alec, thank you again for coming on e-commerce on top. And thank you everyone for listening in to this episode of e-commerce on top. Thank you guys.